This is Focal Point for Wednesday, the 11th of June, 2008. Welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira, for this week's edition. Hello, Chris. How are you going? Gihan, I'm full colon hyphen right bracket. <laughs> Let me see. That means you're smiling. You're happy. That's right. Well done. Good. I'm happy. How are you? Good. I'm full colon... What do you say next? Hyphen. Hyphen. Um, vertical right. line. Oh, okay. I what can't remember what that one means, Gihan. I think that means I'm just waiting. Right. So as people might have guessed, we're going to be talking about internet symbols and internet acronyms in this this issue of Focal Point. It's going to be an interesting topic, Chris, because you're the one who suggested this topic of talking about internet acronyms and things that you see in emails and maybe even in things like SMSs. And we're broadening it to the whole idea of think before you write because people tend to write fairly short, terse, um, sometimes thoughtless messages when they compose email or take part in online forums or send SMSs and they forget that this is written communication and there's somebody at the other end who's going to be interpreting it and might be interpreting it a little bit differently than, than you intended. That's right, Gihan. And as we mentioned at the start, uh, there are things like smileys, emoticons, as they're sometimes referred to, which is short for emotion icons, um, and various internet slang and acronyms that people put into their online writing that um, are appropriate in some circumstances, and we'll talk about when it is appropriate, but um, in most cases, uh, you need to think about uh, the context in which you're writing, and sometimes they're inappropriate. Well, you and I, Chris, have been using email for 20 years now, over 20 years, and lots of people haven't been using it for that long. And I guess when we first started using it, these acronyms were, many emoticons were rife. They were all over the place. And I guess it's partly because most of the people who were using email at the time were techies. They were technical people who kind of understood the language and the jargon of email, and they were really comfortable using that. But now that it's now that we've got a much broader audience using the internet, there'll be so many so many people who don't even understand what these things mean. So in this issue, we'll give you a little bit of education and a little bit of advice about when to use them and when not to use them. That's right, Kihanan. And even though I've been using the internet like you for a couple of decades and using email as well, there are still times when I see one of these acronyms and I think now. What does that mean? And I have to go to a website which um, contains a, a reference of those sorts of things to look it up because, or, type, or just type it into Google is actually the quickest way of solving some of these acronyms, finding out what some of these acronyms mean. Um, so even though after a few decades of having used email and coming across these acronyms, I still find that um, they trip me up. And so I think the convenience of these acronyms is more about the writer of the, the message than it is about the consumer of the message. It is, isn't it? It's always when you compose an email message or write a letter or write an article even, it's about thinking about the person at the other end reading it. And I know I find that I can almost automatically now imagine the person at the other end reading this email from me and wondering what it means. And therefore, it, it means I put a little bit more thought into composing it because I put myself in their shoes and thinking about they might be getting this among dozens of other email messages that they, they don't know in what context they're writing it. So I've got to provide all the context and all the meaning for them. Talking about one that um, I didn't understand for the first time,
time I saw it and from the context of the message um, I misinterpreted and that is LOL so I think I saw that in a comment on uh, on a web in a web forum somewhere LOL what people often signed off with and I thought that stood for lots of love later on I began realizing lots of love didn't exactly make sense and in fact LOL stands for laugh out loud which must have been very disappointed that all these people didn't love you <laughs> That's right. They weren't loving me at all. They were laughing at me. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That LOL is one of the most common, isn't it? LOL you see all over the place. That's right. And it has a, it has a cousin, doesn't it, which is R-O-F-L. Ah, uh, yes. Or as I've seen it sometimes, R-O-T-F-L. Um, either one is rolling on the floor laughing. Exactly. Which is, I guess, the acronym version of the smiley. So how do you describe the smiley again, Chris? Full colon, hyphen, right bracket. And, you know, I think one of the interesting things about LOL, ROTFL or ROFL and the smiley is that quite often those acronyms or that emoticon is used to soften the message that comes before it. And I think this is one of the, this is one of the times when you've got to be really careful sending it because if somebody doesn't understand what that acronym means, they miss the tone of your message because you might say something or you might write something in an email message and follow it by a smiley to say that you're actually smiling while you're while you're writing that, where somebody receiving it, if they don't understand or they miss a smiley or they don't understand what LOL means, they could interpret it quite differently because the words by themselves could have a quite different meaning if the person wasn't smiling as they wrote it. That's right, Gihanna. I, I guess we haven't mentioned that, that, that sometimes these acronyms and these smileys and emoticons do help us out in that they help us to provide some context. So one of the shortcomings of written conversation as opposed to uh, spoken conversation or face-to-face -face conversation is that with the written word it's more difficult to convey tone so we can help ourselves out by using these acronyms like LOL or smiley faces but again we have to make sure that the recipient of the message does understand and can decode those emoticons and acronyms uh, for that to actually have the effect that we want it to have. I think that's one of the funny things about email that I've discovered over the years Chris that when somebody is writing a fax, they automatically think of it as something that's going to be written. And so somebody receives it on their fax machine at the other end. So they, they take care in the way that they compose the fax. If they're writing a letter, again, they similarly take care about the way they do it. But oddly, when it comes to writing email, people tend to write off the top of their head and they tend to write casually, informally, without necessarily thinking about the consequences of what that email could mean and you know, it, it carries as much weight um, in many cases as something that's written on paper and printed on paper. And I think people forget that and they, they in their head, they've, they're writing with a certain tone in mind but they forget about the fact that it's going through and it's actually going through to the person at the other end who can't imagine that tone and yet when they send a fax or, or write a letter, they don't think that way. They actually think about um, a, might, they might think about writing it more formally, but B, they also think about the tone and the meanings of the word. Uh, they put a bit more gravitas to, the, to their writing. Yes, Gihan. So I think that's, again, that historical aspect of email is coming into play then when the internet was, was smaller and most of the people on it were hackies and understood, um, understood that, um, what the acronyms and the, and the emoticons meant and it was a more informal atmosphere in communications online way back then. Um, but these days, uh, email is used in business contexts and more formal settings, and, and as such, 
kind of um, written language is, is not as appropriate. Yes, and we're not only talking about email here because people tend to use the same tone when they participate in, say, online forums and, and chat rooms. And chat rooms are a little bit different because generally what you what you write in a chat room doesn't necessarily get recorded forever, although sometimes it does. But what you, tell, what you write in an online forum, which might be replying to somebody else's posting in that forum, people tend to hide behind the, I guess, the distance of, of the computer screen and the keyboard, and they tend to be a little bit more open than they would be if they were talking face-to-face -face with that person. And sometimes they don't think about what they've written, um, whether it's to do with the, the emoticons or the acronyms, or just the, the tone that they're using and the, the meaning that can come, up, come from it. So what are your thoughts, Sandy, Han, on writing for forums then? Do you think the same kind of formality as perhaps formal emails is, applies in that context? Do you think uh, a more informal style of writing is appropriate? Well, I think we were discussing this offline, Chris, about the, the difference between um, writing for business and writing outside your business life. It's the, the one thing to always be aware of is that everything that you say or write can be stored and used as evidence against you. And now with things like Google and the, the Wayback Machine, which is archiving the Internet um, almost on a daily basis, everything that you contribute can be recorded. Sometimes it's saved in a backup tape. And there have been cases where email and forum comments have been used against people. Certainly people have lost jobs because of comments that they've made negative, unfavorable comments about their employer on an online forum, which is not an official one, but somewhere unofficial like Facebook. So I think the first thing is be very aware that everything that you say is going to be recorded and pretend that you're writing something that could appear on the front page of a newspaper at some point in the future. So I think that's the first guideline that I'd suggest. The second thing is, Chris, you asked the, the, the difference between forums and email. I think I would use the same style um, of email as a, a comment in email as I would commenting on a forum. But I would vary it depending on whether, whether I was writing for a professional forum or a fun chat forum. The same way that I would write an email differently to you than I would send an email to one of my clients. Okay, right. So, as you said, think before you write. So, think about the fact that you might be commenting, you are essentially participating in a public conversation, something that might. Uh, Consider that something might that might appear on the front page of a newspaper, and then think about the audience that that particular forum is related to. If, is it a business-related forum, or is it uh, perhaps a technical forum? So some of the forums I participate in are related to um, software development and operating systems, and so it's a technical audience. Or is it just something more social, like something you might find on Facebook, perhaps? Yes, and you know, coming back to this idea of the, the acronyms and the, the smileys, I would use smileys as emoticons. So I would use a smiley in an email to friends, um, particularly friends who I know would understand the context of the smiley and understand the meaning of it, and occasionally to some of my clients. So I, need, I know there are a few of my clients, actually more than a few, but there's a certain number of clients who are quite savvy, they use the internet and they have sent me stuff with smileys in them, so I, f I know that they understand what a smiley is, and so I'll write back to them and I'll include a smiley if I, if I need to. Um, I will include the acronym FYI for your information because that's kind of widely known anyway, mm. but I probably wouldn't use LOL or even something like BTW, by the way, mm -hmm. 
Whereas I know that speaking to some of my technical friends or Eva who works, uh, who does uh, help desk and support work, I know that she understands BTW, so I'll send, when I write to her, I'll write BTW. But again, it's about me thinking about the actual person who's receiving it rather than a generic recipient who may or may not understand it. Right, sure. Another aspect of written communication online is that in some instances you ha you're limited in the number of characters that you can supply. So, for instance, in YouTube, on eBay, when you're providing feedback on eBay or when you're providing comments on YouTube clips, the number of characters that you're restricted to entering is, I don't know, a, a few hundred typically. And so in those instances, you certainly have to think before you write because you want to make sure that what you say, um, again, is going to be a public comment, so you need to be careful about what you're saying. But also the space restrictions mean that if uh, that it's convenient to use some of these acronyms in order to uh, to save space, as it, as it were. Uh, and of course, the other a similar a similar situation is SMS on mobile telephones, whereby I think it's is it 150 characters that you are restricted to when sending an SMS message, a text message? Actually, I'm not sure about that, but, you, but you're right. There is a limit to the size of text message. And of course, because it's inconvenient to type long messages anyway in SMS, that's why the completely new SMS like alphabet and there's a culture of sending short messages with, with acronyms and weird combinations of, of numbers meaning something. That's right. It, it, it's it's a twofold influence, isn't it? The S in SMS, of course, stands for short messaging service, so you're limited in the number of characters you can send in the message, and then you're constrained by having to use a mobile telephone keypad in order to, what, 12 keys in order to access an alphabet of 26 letters plus all the digits. So it's easier to write a short message that uses acronyms and all these other uh, shortcuts than it is to um, write a full grammatically correct sentence. Even I think it's one of the, the ironies of something that's happened with the internet over the last, I guess, 40 years, Chris, that uh, email's been around for over 40 years now. When email first started, it was in, in effect, it was for short messages. And if you were going to send large messages or large files, you'd use FTP, so the file transfer protocol, to, to deliver large messages. And of course, now people are sending big attachments through email, but there's also a tendency for people to write too much in email and they get stuck attached to their inbox all day and all they do is they, they're sending email messages back and forth and sometimes people can go overboard with I'm just editing their email before they send it out so every every email has to be word perfect before they send it out and um, it's it's good to have quality but it's an overkill if you go for perfection because it can be a real big time waster yeah we touched on that in a previous podcast didn't we the always on um, podcast that we did a few episodes ago and there's also the situation whereby there are instances in which it's not appropriate or no, there's no need to reply to a particular email message that there are some situations when a response isn't needed being addicted to responding to every single message can be a bit of a, a time waste absolutely I came across an interesting site Chris which a client actually told me about it's kind of like a time management site or time management principle for managing email and it's called Five Sentences. And I'm just on the site at the moment, and I'll read out the whole site for you because it's just one page. And it says, here's the problem. Email takes too long to respond to, resulting in continuous inbox overflow for those who receive a lot of it, as we said. 
The solution is to treat all email responses like SMS. So using a set number of letters per response, but since it's hard to count letters, we count sentences. So here's a policy. So five sentences is a personal policy that all email responses, regardless of recipient or subject, would be five sentences or less. It's that simple. So that's the extent of their website. It's a policy that says that if you can't write something in five sentences, it shouldn't be an email message. It shouldn't be an email response. What do you think of that idea? Right. I think that's a bit dogmatic, but I'm going to give that a go. It's interesting. I tried it for a couple of weeks, and um, it was okay. So I certainly found that my my email message was sh messages were shorter. However, I also found that sometimes it just sounded very terse and didn't really convey the tone that I wanted when I was trying to respond in five sentences. In fact, the client who sent this to me in his email signature, he actually said something along the lines of, um, I'm following the five-sentence philosophy. Please don't read this as being terse. It's just being efficient. Did that, did that uh, signature count as one of his sentences? <laughs> That's right. So he had, to send, he had to send everything in two sentences because he spent the other three explaining it. <laughs> There actually is a two sentences, three sentences, and four sentences website as well along the same line. Oh, I see. But, but by the way, the web address of this, kind of a weird address because it's a Spanish address that ends in ES. So it's 5, F-I-V-E, dot, sentence, S-E-N-T-E-N-C, dot, E-S. So it's a little bit gimmicky. And I'll, I'll, I'll include the link in the, in the show notes for this podcast for people who want to go and have a look at it. I think it's an interesting idea, and I agree with you. I think it's a bit too dogmatic, and I think it's kind of like a, a very specific solution to something which is a much broader problem, like email time management. It's a big problem. I don't think you're going to solve it by doing the five sentences thing. But in principle, the idea of keeping your email messages shorter while still meaningful, I think is a really good principle. Indeed, and the other thing is that it um, forces you to do the write before, think before you write step, doesn't it? Uh, yes, it does. Yes, it does. In fact, one of the principles that I've often advocated and I've often taught is if you're going to write a long email message, just start with a one or two sentence summary. Um, and I sometimes even put in there executive summary and just write one or two sentences in a very lighthearted way. And then I say gory details and then go on to all the details. And I just highly recommend that because it gives people a context right at the start so they know what to expect as they're reading through your email. Right, yes. You mention that in your Right Now book, don't you, that you wrote with your sister, Samantha? Um, yeah, that's right. That's right. The, the other thing, actually, is even before they get to open the email, of course, the thing they're going to see is a subject line. And if you're looking to improve your email readability, here's one very simple tip that can do that. Make every subject line a complete sentence. So instead of saying something like a project status report, you could say something like, we're running one week late on this project because that gives the, the reader the chance to get some idea of what the email is about before they even open it. Yeah, and there are a couple of other good tips with regard to email subject lines that um, you include in that chapter from right now. For example, if you want to change the subject matter, the su subject of the email, then change the subject line. And the yes, other it's one really was annoying when sometimes people just store up an old email and then when they want to write to you, instead of typing in your email address or finding it in the address book, all they do is find an old email about some completely different topic and they just hit reply and start a completely new subject but with a very old subject line in there. It makes it 
A, it makes it hard for the person receiving it to know what it's about straight away, obviously. And secondly, when they file it, it's very hard for them to find it again later because they are, they're skimming through their email and they just see something with an old subject and they don't realize that it's about a completely different topic. Yes, and then the other related to that is the idea of sticking to a single subject per message. So if you have several things that you want to discuss, then break them up into separate shorter messages each about uh, the subject that you want to discuss. This is the thing about email being cheap, like it's free. So if you're talking about three separate subjects, why not send them as three separate messages? Because again, it makes it easier for the person receiving it that they can deal with them one at a time. So if they can respond to one straight away, they can respond to it, delete the email or file it, and still keep the other two open for them to respond to later. Whereas if you send them all in the one, in the one email message, they've got to hold on to that email message. Either they respond to them three times, that same message three times, or they've got to wait until they can do all three actions and then respond all in one go. It's just less efficient and just increases the burden on the person receiving it. That's right. Any other acronyms, Chris, that you like using or that you that you particularly um, have seen that are interesting? I quite like YMMV. YMMV. Your mileage may vary. That's the one. Yeah. It's a bit of a caveat. It's actually, it? uh, you add it at the end of uh, a bit of advice. YMMV. So after describing some solution to a problem, for example, one I see in technical forums where I'm trying to solve problems with my PC, for instance. I often see people describe um, a particular solution that worked for them, it worked for their situation, but they close with YMMV because it's not always the case that the solution is going to work for other people. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I've seen that as well and I kind of understand it, but it's again one of those that I don't use. I guess it's an Americanism where that phrase is common in everyday life and it's just now been appropriated as a, as a common internet acronym. I guess we could uh, use YKMV gear. Yes. Your commentary. Yes. There's another one that we used to use when I was working for a software company, RTFM. We'd never use this in an email to clients, but occasionally when someone would get upset with somebody else, they'd, they'd send back, an, when somebody asked a question, they'd send back a reply, which just said very tersely, RTFM, which is uh, read the effing manual. Read the fine manual, that's right. Refer to the documentation. Yes. There's another one that I have used occasionally, which is A-S-A-I-K. Oh, yes. As far as I know. Yes, that's right. And that's a nice softener. If you're stating an opinion or you're making a statement of what you think is fact, it's nice to say A-S-A-I-K, as far as I know. Again, I will sometimes say that uh, in email to clients, but I won't use the acronym. I'll spell it out. I'll actually write out as far as I know, this is the solution or this is the only option available. Yes, many of these acronyms are, are sentence starters, aren't they? Like BTW for by the way, FYI for your information. Um, the one you've just mentioned, AFAIK as far as I know, and another one similar in usage is IMHO in my humble opinion or in my honest opinion. Again, yes, and I like that one as well. Again, that's a nice little softener. Um, mm. For people who understand it, it, it softens something that you're about to say, which might otherwise sound fairly direct. Yeah. Okay, Han, I just wanted to give you one more that's, that tripped me up recently that, because I hadn't heard of it before. But uh, again, it's another uh, a, soft, a sentence softener, particularly when legal advice is being given, and it's I-A-N-A-L. 
I-A-M-A-L. I hadn't heard that one. I-A-M for Nelly, A-L. Okay. I am not a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> That's good. I like that one. So we've come to the end of our time together. We've covered a lot of things here. I guess we've covered the idea of using acronyms judiciously. And I guess the, the message that, you, that you've mentioned a couple of times, Chris, think before you write, applies in any writing, but particularly in email, where it's very tempting not to do that. And it's very easy just to fall into the habit of um, just writing without thinking first. Um, there's another one that I came across, Chris, when we were doing some research onto this topic, which is KIM, which is keyboard in mouth. <laughs> <laughs> which I guess uh, the, the internet equivalent of foot in mouth. So I guess there's somebody apologizing for something that they've said without, without when they haven't thought before they wrote. I prefer M-I-M-D, huh? Mouth in mouth. <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, um, any last comments, Chris? Yes, I think, I think think before you write sums it up. Think about what you write and the way that you write it. Think about your audience, the intended recipients that will uh, determine determine how you write it and think also about what you're actually going to say, that it could, that it could be stored forever and uh, used in evidence against you. But uh, I'd like to close with YMMV, Gihan. <laughs> thanks very much, Chris. We'll talk again in a couple of weeks' time. Will do, thanks. Bye. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Focal Point Podcast. You can find us on the web at www.gihanperera.com forward slash podcast. That's G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E-R-A dot com. Subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our past issues, or leave us your comments and questions. We look forward to having you back next time.